I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Just a reminder, coming up at 2.05 today, we'll have George Will from the Washington Post joining us. Uh, you don't want to miss that conversation. We also had the opportunity earlier today to talk with Congressman Blake Moore from Utah's 1st Congressional District, talking about all things going on with uh, Washington, D.C. today. Take a listen. We're very pleased to be joined by Representative Blake Moore from Utah's 1st Congressional District on a very busy day, very busy week in our nation's capital. Representative, thanks for jumping on the show today. It's very, very busy. You're right. Well, let's let's start with uh, some of the, the big top of mind uh, things. Of course, the uh, fiscal year comes to an end tomorrow. We're about uh, a little over 24 hours away from that. And uh, we know there are things progressing now in terms of decoupling uh, a debt ceiling increase with the uh, continuing resolution to fund the government. Uh, how's that shaping up? What are you hearing from your colleagues in the House? Yeah, there's there's actually less conversation about that and more more of that being on the uh, on the Senate side. It's going to be very difficult to get what they passed in the House. It's be very difficult to get um, the Senate with the sixty percent threshold. Um, to, to get through what they needed to do. So they're going to have to separate things and they're going to have to, to work. And, you know, like, this is just, this is just what comes up every year. So I, we could, we could talk ad nauseum about this. It's, it's just, it's, it highlights how ridiculous the debt limit is and how ineffective it is. Uh, Cause it's, you know, tied to other things that leadership wants you to get, wants you to vote on. In my opinion, we need to establish a debt to GDP ratio targets, like get something that's actually measurable not just this one, you know, number that comes up every few years that puts people in weird positions. Let's get to debt to GDP ratios. Let's get it so we can manage our budgeting so they can at least start going in the downward trajectory. We're not talking about having a balanced budget next year. Our interest is so high, it's really hard to. But um, if we could change up the fundamental nature of how this place works, uh, then, then, then we can do it. And I, I, uh, it it's, it, it's leadership. Whenever whoever's in charge of leadership, like, We've got to, we've, you know, we've got to, we've got to create this push to do that. Yeah, I think it's so vital that we we do get beyond just this regular uh, panic moment of we have to raise the debt uh, ceiling, and uh, you know, we, we know that's money already spent. We know that's money that's got to be paid for, uh, and of course, the idea is of hey, let's just suspend it and you know just have a Mardi Gras for a year or for six months uh, just leads us back to the same spot. So, talking about the kind of mm-hmm. reforms that you're suggesting, uh, which would also probably require uh, no more continuing resolutions. Let's just do it properly in terms of each of those uh, buckets uh, being voted on, each of those appropriations bills being done properly. 
and on time and without all the strings of all of these other things that happen when we when we end up with the uh, we called it the uh, the C word day of crisis catastrophe cliff uh, catastrophic consequences uh, all the parade of horribles uh, that both sides have used over the years uh, as exactly. justification and you, for spending and it's and it's clear because um, the, the the bigger issue I mean if we're defaulting on our on our loans like. That's catastrophic, and and that's why Republicans will ultimately get support, get get behind it when they're in the majority, and Democrats will do a bunch of games to be able to get it so it goes through this time. But you know, yes, but not 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 increasing the debt limit, you know, can you can make a stand, but ultimately it's it's catastrophic when we start defaulting on everything. Um, that's why this is just a ping ponging effect that continues on. Yeah, and it does seem to be the one thing that, uh, and I. I glad that you pointed out that it is really leadership and it's leadership of both parties uh, that seems to be the one mm-hmm. unifying principle of whoever's in power seems a little more comfortable with some some additional spending uh on their priorities uh and so let's say we get past uh let's get past the debt ceiling let's get past uh just funding of government which i'm guessing uh will happen and and get us to about christmas time so we can have another argument about all of this uh, from both sides uh, but then let's get to some of the infrastructure pieces. The uh, the fate of those bills in both the House and the Senate seems to be up in the air. What are you hearing? What's the positioning look like? Yeah. Um, you know, and it, what's funny, this, this infrastructure, I'm not on the Transportation Infrastructure Committee, but outside of defense and natural resources type work, this has consumed the majority of our time. And largely all of it has been political mm. and um, not necessarily based and rooted in policy. And that's what's being done. And, and this, this year, board, if the farm bill was up, you know, free authorization, right. we would, you know, there would have been major discussions about the farm bill. But when you have the, uh, a single party control, and they're trying to tie reconciliation into it, and they're trying to use reconciliation as a way to get moderates to, or they're try, trying to use, um, they're using mo- moderates against progressives within the Democrat Party, and um, there's two big priorities that they want to get through, but Moderates are supportive of the, made, the massive spending, and then the progressives want that massive spending, and so they're not going to support the infrastructure. I mean, it, it's just it's, it's 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 beyond comprehension to some degree. But we've been very clear on this, like in in our team. But if we we would be supportive of infrastructure if we could kill that damaging reconciliation bill, and um, we've for four months we've worked with you know bipartisan groups and. And trying to to provide you know hope and and and, and you're watching what Democrats are ultimately going to do, and I'm just not confident as of where we are right now. Uh, there's just feels like there's a lot of deals being made, um, and when you're the majority, you oftentimes get put in tough situations, and that's what people are going through right now. And um, we're very very united against standing against this 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 massive reconciliation that's going to that's going to increase taxes. And 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 what my prediction is is that it's what we tried to be. What's going on is, okay, we're not going to do 3.5. We're going to do 2.2, and maybe they can get Mansion and Cinema on board or something like that. I don't know. Hopefully that they – I would love for everybody to just move away from reconciliation. But if you, if you drop that number to 2.2, you're still implementing the programs. You're just funding it for fewer years. So instead of eight years of this free, free community college or these Green New Deal uh, measures that they're doing, they're just going to fund them for five years. Now, they get implemented – and five years from now, when, you know, let's say we're in the majority and we have to vote against it, 
that's a really that's a much more difficult vote. It's the same thing that played out with Obamacare, right? And so that's what's ultimately the big piece right now to watch. Oh, we're being reasonable. We're going to lower 3.5 to 2.2 or 1.8, but we're still going to get all these programs through. That's the, that's the part that's going to have that long-term tail. Yeah, that, um, and, that's, and infrastructure is just getting held hostage. And, you know, it, it, we, we do need infrastructure. We need to get an infrastructure bill done. But if it's if, if, if they could uh, – there's the potential of them both failing this week because the Democrats can't get on track and, and, and get them both through. They, they have enough votes to get both of these things through if they want them. Mm. But moderates are going to have a tough time voting for this crazy spending where progressives want to use that as leverage. And so – it's uh, it's quite interesting to watch play out. Yeah, it is fascinating, and I really appreciate your perspective. And this is really important for us to to all watch and follow. Is how this has played out in terms of the the reduction. Don't confuse a reduction in a number uh, to compromise. As Congressman Moore pointed out, sometimes they're just reducing the length that they're going to do that particular program or fund that program initially. So rather than having a 10-year brand-new program on climate change or infrastructure, whatever it might be, it might be a five-year plan. But the thing that uh, we've been talking about today, and I remind you, is that there is nothing closer to being eternal than a government program once begun. Uh, And so that's going to be an interesting thing that we're going to have to track and watch closely in all of these negotiations. Are we just cutting the number by reducing the number of years in this particular bill? Or are we really taking a hard look at what these programs are, what they should do, what the outcomes need to be in order to actually fund them? Uh, And one of the interesting things that uh, we noted in our conversation with Representative Blake Moore was the fact that the number on that $3.5 trillion reconciliation package, which has a host of different social programs uh, in the mix there, is that that number appears to be going down. Uh, Now, normally in Washington, we say, oh, that's a good thing. The number's going down. Uh, Representative Moore pointed out to us that the way the way that number is going down actually matters. It's not going down in really overall price tag. They're just accounting for the first five years of the program instead of the first 10 years of the program. And uh, as I mentioned before the break, this is uh, one of the great dangers. Uh, things that uh, begin in Washington, programs that start are the closest thing to being eternal uh, as there is on this planet. And so they may only be appropriated to fund for five years, I guarantee in five years they'll fund them for five more and our out-of-control spending from both sides of the political aisle will continue. So watch for that in the coming days as we watch the number get negotiated. Sometimes negotiating uh, is lowering a number without really doing anything. It's sort of the, uh, I'll give you the sleeves off of my vest, uh, which we have to be careful of as well. But let's continue the conversation with Representative Blake Moore on all things going on in our nation's capital today. As the number does start to whittle down from 3.5 to 3 to 2.5 to 2.2, whatever the number may be, the, the most important thing we all have to remember is that the, the closest thing to something being eternal uh, is a government program started. Uh, once it starts, mm-hmm. it's awfully hard to, uh, to unravel and uh, disconnect yep. those. And so, so that's what we should be watching for is, is more what programs are being cut or what issues uh, or policy initiatives are being withdrawn as opposed to we're going to do it for five instead of ten years. Can I add something? Can I add something? Sorry to catch up, but Please. I'm really passionate about this. One of the programs is universal pre-K. 
You, you know, there's there is pilot programs going on. I know of one that there's, that's in Utah. I don't know all the details, but there's pilot. You know, pre-K. Wait, if you wanted to address this, let's let a school district determine if they have the space mm. and the need. And the benefits that could come from it, from adding an extra year on, we do K through 12. Could we do pre-K through 12? Well, maybe we could, but we need to run it and do it at the local level instead of being told from the federal government, you do this, we're going to give you the funding for a few years, and then every state you have to be ready to take this on. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, that's we're not debating that back here. Yeah. We keep talking about all the politics of these two bills, and none of us talk, no one's necessarily debating the actual merits of what the reconciliation is. And that's the part that's really frustrating, too. Now, look, I look at the Senate, and one more thing to add. The Senate, you had a minority leader in the Senate, 19 senators supportive of the infrastructure. They voted on it individually. Now, like many of those members, they viewed that as an opportunity to show the American people we can work together, we can keep pressure off of the filibuster, and that's ultimately a good thing. The senators that didn't vote for it, they didn't like the bill as a standalone, and that's fine, too. But... The Senate kind of showed they can work together. In the House, it's a completely different situation. And that's why you're going to see fewer Republicans vote for it in the, the House for the reconciliation, if it ever even comes up to the floor, than you did in the Senate. Um, it's because the politics of all this stuff get involved, and we're not dealing with the policy. Yeah, uh, so vital. I want to shift gears with you real quick, uh, Congressman. I know you've got a busy day, and you're in between votes. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of attention over the last 48 hours of uh, what happened first in the Senate Armed Service Committee. Now we know the the House uh, Armed Service has had uh, uh, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, uh, Secretary of Defense, and so on, have been appearing there. Uh, I know you haven't had a chance to, to weigh in and question just yet. Uh, what are you hearing? What are you sensing? That's an important one, obviously, for the state of Utah. Uh, but what uh, what are you hearing coming out of that committee, and what should we be watching for in the days ahead? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of questions to be answered about multiple different angles of this. Uh, the key thing that I was going to ask about, but uh, I didn't get a chance to, um, is the over-the-horizon over capabilities. Mm. But we, through all the chaos that ensued and ineptness and just bad, bad strategic approach, uh, we lost lives. We lost American lives. But aside from that, we've, we've addressed that. We had a U-turn killed. But we, we did a military, we did a military operation some bad intelligence and we we killed civilians in a drone strike and like that's because we don't have the capabilities for proper over the horizon and that's not set up and that's been chaotic and and that's not our military that that's not our our mo that's not how we do things i know there's always you know tough stuff that happens in collateral but they that stuff's avoidable, and we've we've got to be in a better, stronger, more offensive position with with these types of things. So those are the questions that I would be digging into. There there was a lot, you know, um, that, that went through that committee today, and a lot of um, there there's a there, I'll, I'll say that there's a good sense from both sides of the aisle and Democrats, you know, asking tough questions too, and and it's nice to see that because that actually feels like we're a committee and not just a partisan sort of um, show. There, there's real intent for for some of these pieces to hold accountable and strategy and everything. So that was that was a that was a good thing to see, and we'll we'll see more of it going forward. Yeah, and that that is such an important point that these hearings are supposed to be hearings with lots of listening and and good hard questions from both sides, some real transparency uh, to get answers uh, to those tough questions. Uh, that is what leadership is all about. And uh, before I let you go, Congressman, uh, I know we also have a little bit of baseball uh, to cover today. Uh, I've got George Will joining us on the program coming up at 2.05. Uh, 
Uh, he always, I uh, always have to get at least one baseball question in for him. We know that tonight is the congressional baseball game at uh, the Nationals Park. There, uh, are you participating in that? And uh, what's uh, give us some inside uh, scoop uh, as to uh, how that game is going to play out tonight? You know, in in every role, you've you've got to have something that's fun. Culture. Uh, this has been a nice reprieve from a crazy time in Congress. So yes, I am definitely playing. Uh, I will be starting in left field oh, on a, the, the opening batting lineup. So let's see if I can dust off my old Ogden High School baseball days. Uh, I've got a lot of left unfinished business after we got kicked out of the, uh, the state tournament playoffs. Um, so, you know, I'm just going to drum up all my old Uncle Rico days, and, and we're going to go after tonight. We're, <laughs> you know, being 41 years old, um, I'm on the younger end of the team. Right. So I hope that helps me. <laughs> Yeah, they should have yeah, you as a designated runner. They're actually airing runner. it live on Fox Sports. They're actually airing it live on FS1, so it'll be nationally televised. And that's like all of a sudden, like, wait a minute, I'm on national television playing baseball. Let's make sure I'm I don't do anything stupid. Tonight. Yeah, that's right. Do not pull a hammy today. That's uh, I think your staff will uh, join me in uh, giving you that little bit of advice. But uh, we'll watch for you yeah. in. Uh, left field tonight, and uh, hopefully slapping a few uh, runs around uh, in the in what I think is a great tradition, the uh, congressional baseball game. Yeah, is, it really is, is fun. It really is. Yeah, that's great. Well, we'll we will let you get back to the uh, the hard work and heavy lifting again. Stretch out well. That's my warning for the day. We'll watch for a, a nice uh, slap double uh, coming off the bat there at the congressional baseball game tonight. Hey, if you build it. Let's go for it. That's right. Thank you, sir. Let's do that. All right, uh, Representative Moore, appreciate you joining us today on a very busy day in our nation's capital, and appreciate your work back. There's some really important questioning going on, really important debate over policy stuff, not the politics, and that's what we've always got to get back to. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.